America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is The Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth, a great and consequential day that you will remember forever where you were when you heard the news or when you will hear the news, because we're going to go directly to it since it is the case that has fascinated the world. No, we're not talking about the royal jubilee for Queen Elizabeth. I think that's a classy event. It uh, does stand for values of tradition and patriotism. And I think the queen is pretty cool. She should live till 120, as you say, in uh, traditional Yiddish formulation. I'm talking about a, a very different celebrity event, which is the verdict, finally, after 200 years of testimony and then jury deliberation, we're going to know who wins the, uh, the, the fight of the century between Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Why is this so fascinating to people? No, I'm, I mean, I, seriously, I was at a screening uh, to a film. There was uh, two people next to me who I didn't have to know. But they were going over the details of the testimony and who were the good witnesses and who were the bad witnesses. And, oh, my goodness, Amber replaced her attorney. And uh, what is happening here? And, and it seems like public sentiment is on behalf of Johnny Depp. Why? Uh, if you have strong feelings about this as we're waiting for the announcement from uh, the judge... They had to go back into the jury room. They were ready, had the whole world waiting for a verdict. Uh, and how many hundreds of millions of dollars? He's suing her for $50 million for a commentary she wrote for the Washington Post in which his name wasn't even mentioned. And then she is countersuing him for $100 million. And there we are uh have, have they come back has the jury come back yet or they're still filling out their forms uh okay we will we uh, we will get to that i know everyone is waiting breathlessly look um again i i will give you my i think uh correct assumption of why psychologically uh the um this particular trial has grasped so much attention and we're a crazy country. Uh, who says so? A, a very prominent uh, analyst and psychologist, and I'm not talking about my wife now, uh, but uh, a, um, a woman who's written a book about madness in America and the proof that actually craziness has increased. Now, this, of course, relates to the issue of the day which is the whole disgusting, horrific, nightmarish story of uh, Salvador Ramos and uh, the the 21 innocent and good people that he murdered cold-bloodedly. And yes, people are associating that with mental illness. People are associating a great many problems with mental illness. But here's the fascinating thing. They actually have medical records for uh, what is called functional uh, mental illness, things like uh, depression or schizophrenia. And they have records going all the way back to 1840s. And what do you think? Do you think it's been a sort of a constant 
level of mental illness? No, it's gone up, and it's gone up sharply, uh, particularly during the pandemic and and right after. And is it a national problem? It's a national problem. We'll be talking to uh, Dr. Uh, Leah Greenfeld, who wrote about this in the Wall Street Journal today. We'll also be talking about in defense of thoughts and prayers. I mean, why should people be angry if someone else says, uh, yes, uh, my thoughts and prayers go out to you? Is that an obnoxious thing to say? And I know uh, people on the left will say, well, they don't do anything about it if they just let it go on and on and on, as if there were some instant switch you could flip and then everything would be better. Well, there is continued news about improving the situation in terms of at least cutting down perhaps the number of attacks. Uh, Jason Riley has a piece in Wall Street Journal suggesting that the media while obviously giving great attention to something as nightmarish and horrific and frankly cinematic as a mass shooting with no purpose at all, pure evil out there, uh, yes, that's gripping to people, but it's not nearly as common as uh, Americans think. There are other things we could be concerned about. Uh, but we will try to place everything in a more realistic context right here on The Michael Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776 is the, <laughs> is the phone number. I'm, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm looking at this photo up there on the screen. Thank you, Jeremy. Um, a huge Pirates of the Caribbean-themed ship cruised by the uh, very courthouse in uh, Fairfax County, Virginia, uh, where the star of the uh, franchise, Pirates of the Caribbean, Johnny Depp, is waiting to hear his fate. The uh, ship sits atop a flatbed truck, and it made a sm splash smack Tuesday in front of the Fairfax County Courthouse. Will it influence the jury? Uh, hard to know. I, the first Pirates of the Caribbean was okay, and then they got steadily worse and more awful and more unwatchable and more brain dead. Uh, but um, Johnny Depp uh, <clears throat> performed at an overseas rock concert over the weekend after closing arguments for his defamation case against uh, ex-wife Amber Heard that uh, closing out arguments were made Friday in the Virginia courtroom. They have been pondering this case for this fun couple since Friday. Um, there, uh, there is this right now uh, that is more significant. A concern with why it is that uh, the American people and this is a piece by Gerard Butler, and it's, it's outstanding, actually. And he asks a very real question, which is, why is it that we have this, this desperate desire that seems to 
affect everything in American life, even Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, to try to put things down into soluble problems and then to get very angry if those problems are not immediately solved with a simple-minded solution that somebody wants to put together. And uh, there's also Ross Douthat writing today, which we will also get to, about um, the idea that sometimes there is a, a, a simple thing that you can do. And he suggests that that's true about uh, the whole question of gun regulation that actually would make the situation better without trampling on anyone's rights. And I think that, in particular, is a uh, clever idea. We will get back to that. Uh, we will go to the uh, courtroom live uh, when we can, and we will be speaking later to uh, Leah Greenfeld, to David Bashevkin about thoughts and prayers. What's wrong with thoughts and prayers? And oh, yes, a new program in Seattle to increase parking enforcement aimed at the literally thousands of people who are living in their RVs illegally in uh, various points of the city. All coming up on the Medved Show, 1-800-955-1776. Your outlet for outrage. Outrageous. The Michael Medved Show, 1-800-955-7. And uh, the judge is back here on the Michael Medved Show. Well, the judge isn't here. It's in Fairfax, Virginia, with a verdict in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard spat. Listen. Of defamation. Answer, yes. Has Mr. Depp proven by a greater weight of the evidence that question, the statement was made or published by Ms. Heard? Answer, yes. The sta question, the statement was about Mr. Depp. Answer, yes. Question, the statement was false. Answer, yes. Question, the statement has a defamatory implication about Mr. Depp. Answer, yes. Question, the, de the defamatory implication was designed and intended by Ms. Heard. Answer, yes. Question, due to circumstances surrounding the publication of the statement, it conveyed a defamatory impl implication to someone who saw it other than Mr. Depp. Answer, yes. Do you find that Mr. Depp has proven by clear and convincing evidence that Ms. Heard acted with actual malice? Answer, yes. <laughs> Two, as to the statement appearing in the op-ed entitled A Transformative Moment for Women in the Washington Post print edition and the online op-ed Amber Heard, I Spoke Up Against Sexual Violence and Faced Our Culture's Wrath that has to change in the Washington Post online edition. Quote, then two years ago, I became a public figure representing domestic abuse, and I felt the full force of our culture's wrath for women who speak out, end quote. Do you find that Mr. Depp has proven all the elements of defamation? Answer, yes. 
Has Mr. Depp proven by a greater weight of the evidence that, question, the statement was made or published by Ms. Hurd? Answer, yes. Question, the statement was about Mr. Depp? Answer, yes. Okay, all of the questions. key legal questions here, it's all going in Johnny Depp's uh, favor. A, uh, looks like a sweeping, smashing victory, more than people expected. Let's keep listening. Question. The defamatory implication was designed and intended by Ms. Hurd. Answer. Yes. Question. Due to circumstances surrounding the publication of the statement, it conveyed a defamatory implication to someone who saw it other than Mr. Depp. Answer. Yes. Do you find that Mr. Depp has proven by clear and convincing evidence that Ms. Hurd acted with actual malice? Answer, yes. Three, as to the statement appearing in the op-ed entitled, A Transformative Moment for Women in the Washington Post print edition and the online op-ed, Amber Heard, I spoke up against sexual violence and faced our culture's wrath. That has to change in the Washington Post online edition. Quote, I had the rare vantage point of seeing in real time how institutions protect men accused of abuse, end quote. Do you find that Mr. Depp has proven all the elements of defamation? Answer, yes. Has Mr. Depp proven by a greater weight of the evidence that question, the statement was made or published by Ms. Hurd? Answer, yes. Question, the statement was about Mr. Depp. Answer, yes. Question, the statement was false. Answer, yes. Okay. Question, uh, the statement has a defamatory implication about Mr. Depp. Answer, yes. Question, the defamatory implication was designed and intended by Ms. Hurd. Answer, yes. Okay, first Question. of all, I don't think even before this verdict there was any doubt that... Uh, Johnny Depp can be a competent actor. I mean, his first film, and I remember saying something about him on the air, reviewing his first big hit, which was Nightmare on Elm Street. And he, he did not play Freddy Krueger or anything like that. It was, he, was one of the, um, he was one of the young victims of the Nightmare on Elm Street. I, I don't know if he and Amber ever lived together on Elm Street, but uh, uh, the it, it seems to me that, that part of the fascination with this case is that these are both attractive people, obviously. They are both people with some kind of talent. Certainly they've been very fortunate uh, part of the testimony that came out in the trial was that Johnny Depp was spending uh, $300,000 a month. Yes, that's right, a month on staff. And uh, the, uh, the, the car, the fascination they had with their dogs that they trans, uh, uh, transported all around the world to Australia at one point, and that got the people at Disney rather concerned that they were indicating in their testimony that they may not have wanted Johnny Depp for more Jack Sparrow, Pirates of the Caribbean sequels anyway. 
even without this kind of publicity. But uh, the the whole idea, it seems to me, that um, got people so riveted on this. And by the way, if there are people uh, who who are riveted and you want to express your wonderment or your gratitude, most of the people, according to all of the experts who've been trying to monitor this thing, the the trial is uh, been followed most avidly by people who are very, very much Johnny Depp fans. Uh, I don't think out there, uh, given her, I think Aquaman is only her only substantial hit movie. But there are not a lot of people out there who are huge Amber Heard fans. Um, it's the fascination is this. It seems to me is that. However your marriage is, uh, however your personal life is, uh, how much you earn, whatever uh, your situation, you cannot look at these people with envy after this trial. Anybody want to be uh, Johnny Depp uh, to go through this and to go through the, the, just the ordeal of the trial? And you can imagine the cost of the money and the level of the humiliation and all of the stuff about the severed finger and the vodka bottle and the pooping in the bed and the, I, I mean, this is, first of all, it's a very, very good um, advertisement for a drug-free America. Uh, and, but can you imagine, they will surely come up with some kind of film treatment of uh, this entire saga. It probably will be the most depressing thing in the world and 30 hours of uh, watching. Jury deliberations, can't even begin to imagine those. Uh, when we come back, why are political narratives always the default position in times of tragedy? Uh, we will get to that coming up on the Medved Show. So I don't know what the next step is here with the uh, Amber and Johnny saga. Um, look, I I wish I could explain to you the verdict that was just announced, but it is extraordinarily complicated. They did declare that uh, Amber owes Johnny $15 million for defaming him. He is also uh, guilty of defaming her, but I believe that he has not been assessed any punitive damages. And uh, the um, she has. So uh, uh, jail or justice for Johnny. Uh, and Jeremy put up on the <laughs> on the uh, board for my amusement um, a shot from one of the immortal masterpieces that. I, I know Johnny Depp feels incredibly proud of uh, was the Lone Ranger, super spectacular, where he spell us uh, played Tonto. Uh, 
and uh, there was a surprisingly little protest about having somebody who was not a Native American. Uh, I, I, what's unbelievable to me, they object to the name Cleveland Indians, but they, they don't object to Johnny Depp playing Tonto with a dead crow on his head. And uh, in any event, and war paint. Uh, well, he had his war paint. He's had a big victory here, apparently. Uh, let us uh, let us go quickly to Chris, who's calling in from Sacramento, California. Chris, you're on the Medved Show. Hey, Michael, longtime listener. Back when I was a 22-year-old sergeant stationed in San Diego, USMC uh, recruit training, and then I'm now I'm 44 in Sacramento, still listening to you. Well, thank you, and uh, and thank you for your service. Go go ahead. You have an opinion on this uh, case of the century? Well, it's the kind of opinion I would only share with my friends over a couple of uh, maybe white wines. But I think it would be funny if these two were just staging this all along. They're both outstanding actors, and I I, I wouldn't be surprised if they set this up and wanted to play theater with the real world. I mean. Let's be honest, it's not far-fetched, at least not in my mind. Uh, there's a, a, a charge known as contempt of court and abuse of process uh, is a, another legal charge. And No, I, th th the interesting thing about that is, uh, Amber Heard in particular, uh, had you, were you aware of Amber Heard before this trial? Was, was she somebody who was in your consciousness? Well, sure. I mean, she's an actress. Right. You know, okay. Yeah. No, right. But I mean, in other words, I, what I'm saying is Johnny Depp was obviously a first rank star and all of that. And, uh, and Amber Heard is somebody, you know, she's blonde and, you know, and you may know she was involved with Johnny Depp. And then she came out. She was seeing as that photographer and she had. OK, but um, the the reason that you're supposition i'm i'm sure you're not the only one who was thinking that is right now if they were to do a reality show <clears throat> where they tried to reconcile and uh I, that that would probably be a ratings bonanza given all of the really truly disgusting detail that uh we we got to see through these people I, I don't really think uh, this is is particularly healthy for the national psyche uh, because it's it's such a worst case situation about marriage and most marriages I think you would agree are even even those that are very frustrating are not like this one um, I I mentioned, and this does not go to this problem directly, but it's such a good piece by Gerard Baker, who uh, wrote in the Wall Street Journal, uh, under the headline, Political Narratives of the Media's Default in Times of Tragedy. He said, a crippling fallacy that characterizes our modern media is the idea that every event that rises to the level of news must connote some wider societal or political crisis that can only be remedied by government intervention. Do we know some plan for government intervention to remedy the crisis of Amber and Johnny? 
Tragedies, natural disasters, acts of unspeakable evil aren't simply to be reported or explained for what they often are, the product of individual will or negligence, irremediable human malignity, or some complex set of scientific interactions. Instead, each event from lethal accidents, writes Gerard Baker, to vicious murders to Category 5 hurricanes is immediately sorted into its pre-labeled moral narrative file, each one full of similarly useful, sententious parables. They become props in the larger drama that is being constantly written for us by the preachy Puritans who now control most news organizations, convenient plot devices to illustrate the virtue of their cause and uh, the malevolence of that of their critics. There's a vast literature on the psychology of mass shootings, he writes. With each new atrocity, we get a more nuanced understanding of the pathology that yields it, but there's no elementary causal accounting for why some young men's moral compass has been so corrupted that they think it legitimate or even heroic to shed the innocent blood of small children. We all grasp that, but the unfathomable isn't something our media masters can tolerate. An unsurpassing self-assurance in their own moral and intellectual wisdom isn't allowed to be punctured by the complex inexplicability of the real world. So to maintain the patina of omniscience, they must fit the story into one of their narratives. It ceases to be a complex act of mental derangement and becomes instead simply a blindingly obvious case. He writes, The killing by a police officer of a black man in Minneapolis two years ago becomes an exemplar of the allegedly ongoing war by police officers across the country against black people. Every hurricane and forest fire, events that have been occurring with random frequency and intensity for millennia are now all a climatological synecdoche uh, for the evil we have done to the planet in the last century or so. Any journalist who challenges the narrative is denounced and assigned his share of the responsibility. The moral panic, he writes, about guns is also overblown. The violent crime spree of 2020 produced a spike in the rate of gun murders that year. Still, overall, homicides by firearm are still much lower than they were 30 years ago, even as the number of guns in circulation has increased sharply. But mass shootings are up, so they get the attention, and they are the subject for our lectures. It turns out it isn't uh, also true that uh, police officers are engaged in an ongoing massacre of blacks, as the director of data science at Reuters discovered when he tried to bring attention to the falsehood. He was fired. Look, the, the idea of uh, every newsworthy, attention-getting story that is painful, disastrous, and basically we don't have a, a news business. We have a bad news business. The fact that all of that bad news has a moral dimension to it, well, there, there's this bad news and this new um, battle for the ages, and... It's also a foolish battle. 
Uh, Bradley Cooper's prosthetic nose in a new movie about Leonard Bernstein, where he's playing the great conductor and composer, that has sparked a new Jew face debate. Bradley Cooper, Leonard Bernstein, we will get to that and more coming up on the Medved Show. You can't handle the Michael Medved Show. It's a good moment, basically, for Hollywood because, first of all, the Amber and Johnny story at least has moved on to another stage. This uh, excruciating trial is over and over with what I think most people would term a very clear victory for Johnny Depp. Uh, but um, so they need a new controversy. And this new controversy today, I, I'm actually stunned by it because... It looks like there is a worthy project that is underway. And uh, is it uh, going to be a movie for everybody? N no, but for people who, for instance, love West Side Story and uh, love the music in West Side Story, and maybe for some of those people, and there are millions of us, who grew up uh, years ago, way back in the 1950s, on uh, Leonard Bernstein, who was then the music director for the New York Philharmonic, did young people's concerts, and they were very popular. It was a great way to learn about music. And, uh, okay, so they're making a movie about Leonard Bernstein, and it's uh, going to be directed by Bradley Cooper, who's an outstanding director. He did uh, the uh, uh, Star is Born, remake where he starred and directed and he did a great job he was also one of the writers in that film and this is a film that originally had Steven Spielberg attached to it and he's still attached he's going to be one of the producers and it should be a class act and Bernstein had an amazing and an interesting life and uh, he's uh, Bradley Cooper is playing Bernstein and uh, Carrie Mulligan is playing his um, his wife of 27 years, who died tragically, um, she had some form of wasting cancer, but Felicia Montalegra. And yes, Leonard Bernstein did have a closeted uh, secret, or not so secret, but uh, not advertised to the public gay life uh, that went on together with his family life, and I'm sure that will be part of the movie. But in any event, here's the story, and the headline is uh, Bradley Cooper's prosthetic nose in Leonard Bernstein sparks a Jew face, Leonard Bernstein biopic, biographical picture, sparks Jew face debate. A Netflix releases images of Cooper looking unrecognizable as iconic conductor, with many on social media saying makeover is anti Semitic especially since the actor is not Jewish. Okay, this is ridiculous. Almost beyond belief ridiculous. Uh, as Netflix released the first stills from the set of Maestro, Bradley Cooper's upcoming biopic about Leonard Bernstein, there was one thing most fans could agree about. 
Cooper looked utterly unrecognizable, especially in one image as an elderly version of the iconic Jewish conductor. Okay, uh, he looks very recognizable as Leonard Bernstein. He doesn't look that much like Bradley Cooper, but I didn't think he looked that much uh, like Bradley Cooper in Nightmare Alley either, and he was in that. As legions of angry social media users pointed out on Monday of this week, part of Cooper's transformation involved a prosthetic nose, something that many found to be anti-Semitic, especially since Cooper is not Jewish. There's no reason to believe that the decision to wear a fake nose is a deliberately anti-Semitic act, wrote James Hirsch, a co-host of the Menschwarmers podcast about Jewish athletes in the Canadian Jewish News. Cooper is presumably interested in exploring the life and uh, the of a great composer whom he admires. A number of Jews are involved in the production, and the prosthesis arguably helps with the resemblance. But this is Cooper's third time portraying historical figures on screen. No prosthetics were used to play American Sniper's Chris Kyle or Licorice Pizza's John Peters. He didn't use them to play the Elephant Man on Broadway. Okay, the picture that they've released of him showing Bernstein, Bernstein died in 1990 at age 72. And they showed a picture that was actually uh, trying to recreate a historic picture of Bernstein just before he died. And no, it doesn't look like Bradley Cooper because Bradley Cooper <laughs> is not on death's door. And yes, Leonard Bernstein had a somewhat larger nose than Bradley Cooper. <clears throat> now, the irony about all of this is Bradley Cooper on his mother's side is Italian. His mother is actually Italian-Italian. His father's Irish. And um, <laughs> there are so many movies in which Jewish people uh, or other people who weren't Italian play Italian people. So, again, you have this guy who is a, a film from Philadelphia, Bradley Cooper, who's an Italian guy on his mother's side. He's playing a Jewish guy. So what? Uh, Sarah, Sarah Silverman is completely angry about this. And uh, even though actors frequently adapt their bodies while playing historical figures, conversations about how many non-Jews play Jewish characters in Hollywood and on what scale that should be allowed have uh, circulated for years. Uh, think about like, Godfather, right? With one of the sons of the Corleone family is played by James Kahn, who is not Italian. And uh, Razzo Rizzo, who is a, uh, a, a would-be Oscar-winning character for Dustin Hoffman, Dustin Razzo Rizzo is definitely an Italian name. Uh, guess what? Uh, Dustin Hoffman is Jewish. Chico Marx. Chico Marx made his whole living out of playing the character Chico. They actually pronounce it Chico, but everybody says Chico. And he was like a vaudeville cartoon Italian-American. And most notable of all, Edward G. Robinson, who played Little Caesar, uh, whose name was Rico, 
And uh, Little Caesar was Italian, even with something of an Italian accent. Edward G. Robinson is a Jewish guy who was born in Bucharest, Romania, and uh, grew up speaking Yiddish. Okay, the idea that actors play a different ethnicity, I know it's completely unacceptable to do blackface today. That it, Early in motion pictures, it was common. But today it's unacceptable. And that's because of special uh, racial sensitivity because those characterizations were always uh, unsympathetic. There is not a chance in the universe that they will make this big movie about Leonard Bernstein and treat the conductor and the composer of West Side Story and composer of uh, Candide. Uh, On the Town is a great show that Leonard Bernstein wrote. And he was one of those people who later inspired the great Stephen Sondheim and his musical achievements, uh, including a really very inventive, uh, not entirely successful, a very inventive mass that he did. Uh, He was a remarkably gifted guy who had a, a life that was very sad in some aspects, and I'm sure they're going to do that together with all the glamour. But he um, he he was also somebody who was concerned about the world around him in a positive way. And I know that they're going to do that, We're talking about Leonard Bernstein. He flew over when the Berlin Wall fell to play the Ode to Joy, the Beethoven Ninth Symphony, uh, at at the Berlin Wall, where it used to be, where it was torn down, to celebrate our great victory over communism. He um, traveled directly. I mean, the the battle had barely stopped with Israel uniting uh, Jerusalem for the first time in in literally millennia in uh, June of 1967. He flew over to give another concert for peace. Um, was uh, Leonard Bernstein a, a saint of any kind? Uh, no, but he's he's going to 100% be sympathetic here. And oh yeah, his wife, Felicia Montalegra, was Costa Rican and Chilean. She was a Latina. And she's being played by an Irish actress, Carrie uh, Mulligan. And you know what? I think it's good casting. I think the movie's probably going to be terrific. I can't wait to see it. And the people who want to find anti-Semitism in absolutely everything because Leonard Bernstein had a bigger nose than Bradley Cooper, uh, really, we have bigger problems. And we will get to them, in fact, as this show continues to unfold in this greatest nation on God's green earth. 